I remember this album when it came out in 1982. It was heavily covered in Kerrang. I had the album, and of course I bought Kerrang every couple of weeks, wasn't it, I think? I used to buy it and then wait for the bus to school. Yes, I'm elderly. And fold it up and put it in my pocket so that, you know, at lunchtime and at break times at school, if someone you didn't know saw it in your pocket, it'd be an icebreaker. They'd say, oh, you read Kerrang. What are your favourite bands? You know, you have to be careful who you said. Spider. Right, I'm never speaking to you ever again. Shiva. Oh, never heard of them. What are they like? You can look them up. One album. Very, very good. Not Spider. Shiva. Spider were all right, but you know. Anyway, this album is uh, part of the Deep Purple Touch series. And the reason why I'm able to visit it, and I'm using fairly rigid rules... Yes, I'll tell you one thing that did happen at school. Rigid rulers. Yeah, that was quite horrible. Quite a lot of it. Anyway, rigid rules tell me that I need to uh, be careful of the ripple effect. But this has Ian Pace on drums. So there you go. Yeah, very deep purple touched. And this will be Gary Moore's Corridors of Power. His second album. And, you know, I remember playing it. I had the tape. Because tapes were a thing then, and are again. They've come out to commemorate... Um, there's, there's, I, I Am Maiden have released a cassette tape to um, to commemorate the 40th anniversary of uh, Number of the Beast. Yeah. Anyway, I had the cassette, and I played it, and I always thought with getting more albums of this, t- of this time that, you know, they were in the charts, and you'd sometimes see them on top of the pops, and... You know, it was it was a big time for popular Brit hard rock, but I, I never felt... Well, this is something I'll be following all the time, and I'll keep coming back to it, and it'll be one of my favourite albums. I never thought that. And, indeed, that's the case this time. Although, actually, listening back, and I've not listened to this album for so long, I really enjoyed it. Because you start with Don't Take Me For A Loser, which is a powerful white snake stomper, it's a good rocker with loads of organ in there. It's um, it's Tommy Air on um, on organ, who of course was later. He was in the later Sensational Alex Harvey band and worked with Alex as well, you know, on his own. This has a feel of something that could be on the radio, and indeed, this kind of stuff was. Followed by "I'm Always Gonna Love You," which is a massive rock ballad, but not in the kind of um, in the sort of hair metal and glam metal rock ballad ways. This has real emotion to it. It reaches to the back row. The solo certainly does. And then towards the end, a big organ comes in just to take you home. They do a version of Wishing Well, which is all right. The organ has a really good go. Um, Don Harry's on here playing organ as well on, on, on one of the tracks. Um, it has a good go. Tommy Air has a very good go with that organ, but it doesn't have the sway that the free... Um, but the original has. Shame, really. And then you've got Don't Break, uh, Gonna Break My Heart Again, which has a sort of, um, a sort of new wave feel to it. It becomes an enormous rock ballad again. There are some big ones here, but in a way, you you don't think, oh, there's another ballad, because it becomes a big rock song. There's an enormous spiteful solo on this as well. Um, It is a, a big rock tune, and that was happening a lot at this time, I'm delighted to say. Looking of Whitesnake again, we go back there, um, and it really is a, a, an excellent uh, Whitesnake, sort of um, big, 
a big bluesy rocker, really. Cold-hearted. It's, uh, it's sort of a white snake off cut. That's not to say it's a it's a, a, a bad song or everything or anything. And we end, of course, with I Can't Wait Until Tomorrow, which is it's almost an eight-minute huge blues ballad with enormous work on the guitar, of course. And you've, I mean, you have got some um, some kind of well, lots of guitar work here, as you'd expect. For instance, you know, End of the World starts with um, a big Gary Moore guitar workout, but you never feel that he's just playing notes for the sake of it. He has a real sort of plaintive, wanting-to-be-liked tone about that guitar, which really touches, well, touches me emotionally, and he has a link to those songs as well. Beautifully done. And, you know, much missed, of course. I liked... Um, Gary Moore when he was doing this kind of rock stuff rather than when he went back to the blues although uh, I'm in the minority I think but this is a certain time in my life and you know I love this this rock feel the kind of big bluesy commercial radio rock feel and it was great to have a look at this album again you know what I think I might do now I might play out in the fields very very loud Ta-ta.